Swear I got a couple plans, I chill with the camp. Trying to make a couple bands, I chill. Going hard, baby. Ain't nobody playing, I chill. I'm a god, they calling me the man, I chill. Some things never change. That's the mood. That's the vibe. That's the feeling. You feel it with the fan base, with the Texans fan base. You can even feel it with the franchise quarterback. More on that in just a second. I want to welcome you to the B-Block Podcast. I am your host, Brandon Scott. I appreciate you for joining me. Man, has it been a whirlwind of news since the Texans ended their season on Sunday. We knew immediately that the Texans would be going into not Black Monday because they'd already fired Bill O'Brien, but we knew that it would be the next step. This is the next step in the rebuilding process, however long it takes. And the Texans have a new general manager. They do. They have a new general manager. It is Nick Casario from the New England Patriots. And we've already heard from Deshaun Watson. Now, it's without context. We don't know what Deshaun's talking about. We don't know what he's referring to. We don't know what's going through his head. We don't know how how he's feeling. We don't know any of that. But we do know that around 11 o'clock p.m. on Tuesday, not long after the news had become clear that the Texans would be hiring Nick Casario and the public sentiment being, oh, this is more Patriot South. This is more of the Texans trying to be the New England Patriots. We get a tweet from Deshaun Watson saying some things never change. Guys, when we talked to Deshaun Watson on Sunday and Monday after the season was over, after that final Titans game, Deshaun Watson made it clear that the Texans need a culture change. The Texans need somebody to come in here and do things differently. They needed someone to come in and establish a foundation, somebody who is a leader, somebody who they can follow and believe in, somebody who can unite the organization from the locker room and throughout the entire building. That is the type of figure that they needed. Now, is Nick Casario that necessarily? I do not know. I have no clue what the answer to that question is. Zero clue. But that's what they were looking for. That's that's at least what Deshaun Watson said was needed. But from his tweet, we see that he acknowledges that some things never change. Now, this could be a this could be a song lyric. This could be some kind of pop culture reference that is escaping me that I'm not aware of. I know this happened to people before during the offseason when Deshaun Watson was still negotiating his new contract 
and he tweeted out uh, a little baby lyric that said, I think it was um, Money Conversations at the Table, I Speak Fluently, which is a, a lyric from a little baby song. A lot of people who don't necessarily listen to the music or or who don't know little baby songs that aren't on the radio didn't know that lyric, but that's that's all that was. Sure, Deshaun Watson had contract negotiations ongoing at the time, and I, I would imagine that that was a reference to that. But that was an example of the public trying to glean something from Deshaun Watson's tweets. And now we have this one that just so happens to describe, again, the mood and the vibe and the feeling amongst the Texans fan base about the hiring of Nick Serio. And I find it interesting that the Texans have a new GM and the people who care about them can't even enjoy it. My first reaction when it became clear that not only had the Texans reach out to Nick Casario, not only were they interviewing Nick Casario, but when John McClain made it clear that Nick Casario was going to be the new GM, my first thought was so much for the search firm, so much for that idea of casting a wide net and leaving no stone unturned. Do y'all remember when the Texans were supposed to be casting a wide net for their search? Do y'all remember that? It doesn't feel like that long ago, but at the same time feels like forever ago after getting this news. But all casting a wide net really meant was doing the thing that they wanted to do all along. So the Texans are hiring Nick Casario to be their next general manager. And, of course, they tried to do this 18 months ago, shortly after they hired Jack Easterby, or shortly after he arrived to the team. And not long after that, Cal McNair fired Brian Gaines as the general manager. They wanted to get Nick Casario. He was still under contract with the Patriots. And that whole thing did not go exactly how they wanted it to. The Patriots accused the Texans of tampering. They had to kill the whole idea. And then the Texans basically went two seasons without a real general manager. We know how that went. That's why we're here. So now it's full circle with the Nick Nick Casario pursuit. And the Texans have their guy. The Texans have the guy that they've clearly wanted for going on two years now. It's just a shame to me that no one in Houston seems to be excited about the move, and it has nothing to do with Nick Casario, the candidate, or Nick Casario and whether he can actually do the job. Because when you look at it objectively, Nick Casario is as good a general manager candidate as you could ask for. I put this up on Twitter My questions for Nick Casario would be, what did he think of these moves that his friends were making these last couple of years? What was Nick Casario, future GM of the Houston Texans and coveted GM candidate around the league, or I should say maybe maybe that's an exaggeration, respected potential GM candidate and respected personnel guy around the league, known as Bill Belichick's right-hand guy. 
what did he think of the moves that the Texans were making? And when I say the Texans, I'm talking about his friends or his former colleagues or people that he's got relationships with. What did he think of these moves that were being made over the last couple of years? Because, again, when you look at it, Nick Casario, objectively speaking, is about as good of a candidate as you could ask for. He's been a part of a winning organization, the winning organization, actually, basically since the very beginning of its success. So he's tied to the entirety of this reputation that the Patriots have built. I think that we get caught in the narrative nationally of the failed Belichick coaching tree. We look at Matt Patricia, we look at Bill O'Brien and and the like. We look at Josh McDaniels and the fact that he hit, all he ever did was draft Tim Tebow, have a quick run in Denver, and then run right back. Renege on his word to the Indianapolis Colts and go right back. So I think that we get caught up in the narrative about the Belichick coaching tree, and we're definitely swept in it locally here. Maybe having the worst example of the Belichick coaching tree with Bill O'Brien, one of the worst examples. Matt Patricia's probably the worst example for, for, for right now. But then when you add the Jack Easterby element to all of it, it becomes far more dubious because – You've got this feeling that Jack Easterby doesn't know what he's doing and that he's miscast and that he's in over his head. So it's all of those things as it pertains to Houston. There's also the thought that Jack Easterby is untrustworthy, that he's conniving, that he's power hungry. And I don't think that would be as big a problem if Jack Easterby's whole stick wasn't based on trust and love for your neighbor and doing unto others as you had them do unto you and all of that kind of stuff, all of that biblical stuff. If that wasn't the entire appeal of Jack Easterby to begin with, maybe some of these trust issues and behind the scenes uh, pictures painted of backstab and maybe some of that wouldn't matter quite as much. And if there was a belief that, he was competent. I think that aside from the fatigue and frustration with the Patriots way, just as a concept, I think if you don't find Jack Easterby to be trustworthy, then anything that comes from him is basically ruined. And that's what this is. This is ruined, at least in terms of public perception. Before it can even really get going, this whole thing is ruined in the eyes of the people. So I think what this is really going to come down to is whether Nick Casario is good enough at his job to make up for the lack of trust and the lack of belief in Jack Easterby and Cal McNair. I've been wondering through all of this whether Nick Casario was the guy who could have said, hey, Bill O'Brien, Jack Easterby, don't do these things. Whether Nick Casario was the guy who could save O'Brien and Easterby from themselves. It didn't work out in 2019 when they tried to get him. But I wondered if he was the guy that could save them from himself or save these guys from themselves. Like my tweet alluded to, how is Casario taking in the moves that his buddies are making, the way that they navigated this roster, especially in the time between their initial flirtation and now? Like the Laramie Tunsil and Jadeveon Clowney trades, that happened after 
the failed pursuit of Nick Casario. They ditched their longtime salary cap guy, Chris Olsen. And I believe Jack Easterby starts to have a great deal to do with what was going on with the salary cap. Whitney Merciless, Randall Cobb, Eric Murray, they've all been paid what I think we can say objectively is far above what the market value seems to be for those players. Zach Cunningham, who was a very good player, was given a deal that I thought at the time was either early or unnecessary considering their needs. Like, I didn't think that they needed to give Zach Cunningham that money right then and there in that moment. DeAndre Hopkins was traded with the idea that he wasn't affordable, even though he was under contract for another three seasons. And I think a slight raise with some guaranteed money to go with it probably would have settled things, at least from a contractual standpoint. There seemed to be some personality conflicts that were going to be unavoidable, but they brought back an underachieving running back who was making a top five salary and the draft pick that they got out of the deal has not panned out. Now that's, that's not, I don't think the trades fault. That's the, the evaluation and, and drafting and scouting part, which we'll get into in a second. But I don't think it's a coincidence that they make this move and then the Texans have one of the worst run games in the NFL this season. And then the passing game was mostly good because it's Deshaun Watson that's passing the ball, but they still struggled to score points and in part because they couldn't run the ball worth it down. And then what about the drafts? Nick Casario, big part of the Patriots draft process, and there is something to be critical there. And I think that that is something that Casario is going to have to answer for because it's the one spot, I think, where he looks weak, the one spot on his resume where you're not necessarily impressed. Like you're impressed with the longevity with the New England Patriots and that he's been there since 2001. He's been there since the beginning of the dynasty. But they haven't drafted, but I think one or two Pro Bowl players in the last eight years or so. Like they have not done a great job of constructing their roster, even though they've won Super Bowls. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and the brilliance of those guys can mask a lot of things, a lot of shortcomings in other places. Now, is Nick Casario guilty by association? Is is that same kind of characterization there since it's Bill Belichick who has the final say on the personnel moves in New England? Is he guilty by association there the same way he is with Jack Easterby and Bill O'Brien? Like, is the... Are the Patriots' shortcomings in the draft more reflective of Bill Belichick, the way the issues with Bill O'Brien and Jack Easterby are reflective of them and not necessarily of Nick Casario's relationship to them, right? The Patriots have not drafted well the last several years. Neither have the Texans. So I am concerned with whether – this is going to be a blind leading the blind kind of situation. Cause that is one thing that I want to see from the next GM. I want to see how, and in the next GM again is going to be, and is Nick Casario, the Patriots, but I want to see how he addresses the scouting department. Nick Casario, a former scout himself, a guy who's far familiar with scouting and scouting departments. They don't get a lot of press. 
But I do think that there is some blame that has to lie there when you look at what kind of logic the Texans have come up with in building their roster. Some blame has to lie with scouting. Like the buck stops with Bill O'Brien, and after Bill O'Brien, it's got to be Jack Easterby. Or you could go Cal McNair, Bill O'Brien, Jack Easterby if you want to point the finger as far as what this iteration of the Texans looks like, what this era of the Texans, how we got here. But like this idea that they wouldn't be able to find any good players in the next few drafts. Part of that was because they assumed that they'd be in playoff contention. They've got Deshaun Watson. You've got Deshaun Watson more than likely. He's good enough alone to get you into the postseason. They learned better than that this year. And I'm glad they learned better than that. That was flawed logic to begin with. But they didn't think that they'd be able to find any good players in the next few drafts. And so they trade all of their draft picks away. Because who's good coming out of college anyway? And I think it's that train of thought that made them think it was justified to send two first-round picks. Not one, but two first-round picks to the Dolphins for Laramie Tunsil. And lo and behold, that second first-round pick, like the <laughs> the one that's due now, that's up now, is third overall because you ended up being terrible. And the Dolphins are going to get it. I think it's that train of thought that led them to sending two first-round picks for what they thought they desperately needed in a franchise left tackle. When one, probably one first-round pick would have been enough. It should have been enough to get you Laramie Tunsil. The hell you need two for? Or a first and a second. They sent two firsts and a second. So I want to know if Nick Casario is going to find wherever that line of thinking came from and make sure that it's shot to hell. You know, the hardest part about predicting successful GMs is when you evaluate their background, it's not like it's public information as to how much involvement they have in these specific decisions. There's not a real way to quantify their value in team building. I think that's helped the Jack Easterby in some ways. But they're not always being a tangible, quantifiable receipt on what it is that a guy does, I think Jack Easterby has Jack Easterby has benefited from that. So if I am concerned about the Nick Casario hire, it's not because of the whole Patriot Way thing. It's not that because I, I think that's a little inflammatory and overblown. The Patriot Way and the reluctance to dabble in it, I get it, and I, I do think it makes sense. I think it's well earned given what the Texans fans have gone through. But the Patriot way is Tom Brady. The Patriot way is Bill Belichick. Okay, that's the Patriot way. I don't think that Nick Casario is some imposter. You know, he's got real intel on whatever it is that's transferable from Brady Belichick, which is unique and cannot be replicated because there's only one Brady, one Belichick. But whatever is transferable from that, I would imagine that Nick Casario would be able to tap into it since he's been there for the entire thing. But I'm concerned that Casario doesn't have Bill Belichick to lean on anymore. Again, it's Belichick who has the final say in personnel for the New England Patriots. 
it's Belichick that runs the show. I don't know how Casario responds to not having that. Absent of Bill, of Bill Belichick, is Nick Casario anything like Bill O'Brien or Jack Easterby in terms of player evaluation? Think about that. Absent of Bill Belichick, is Nick Casario anything like Bill O'Brien or Jack Easterby in terms of player evaluation? Because if he is, if the connection goes beyond them just knowing each other and having worked together and being friends and whatever it is, if it turns out that they're actually like-minded in the way that they evaluate players, in the way that they build teams, then we've got a major problem on our hands. This is a major issue. I think my first question if I were able to get the first question, and I'm, I'm sure I'd imagine that this would be asked whenever we do get Nick Casario media availability, you get a chance to talk to this guy. I'm pretty sure very early on in the press conference, someone is going to ask Nick Casario what his solution would be to fielding a respectable defense without enough good players. Fielding a respectable defense without enough good defensive players or money and draft capital to upgrade the personnel. I've got to find this out. What is Nick Casario's solution to fielding a respectable defense without enough good defensive players or money and draft capital to upgrade the personnel? Mr. Director of Player Personnel. Is there a way, and if so, how can you creatively strengthen a weak unit on the cheap? I think that on the field, there is not a bigger task for the next GM than addressing this defense. It it is the question. What do you do with J.J. Watt, your best defensive player who is going to be vastly overpaid if you pay him what his base salary is, which is non-guaranteed? And how do you either get better players or find the coaching to get more out of the ones that you got? How do you navigate that? It is, it is the question for Nick Casario as it pertains to doing the job. All the other stuff, the Patriot Way stuff, Jack Easterby, Bill O'Brien connection, tampering before, turning your nose up at the search firm because they ain't really do nothing, easiest lick they'll ever hit. Like, all of that is just conjecture and conversation for right now until until it rears its ugly head in some kind of way. As it, as it pertains to the job at hand, first things that I need to know is what you're going to do about this defense, how are you going to do it, and what's the deal with this scouting department? Are y'all going to put a greater emphasis on scouting young talent evaluation, finding bargains, that sort of thing. I mentioned coaching. That is all that we're waiting on now. This GM search did not last very long, did it? The season ended on Sunday. By the end of the day on Tuesday, we knew who the general manager was going to be. That did not last very long. I can tell you as somebody who works in media, and works at the flagship radio station for the Houston Texans, that 
you know, without too much inside baseball and, and, and delivering trade secrets, we were looking forward to playing this thing up a little bit. We were looking forward to an opportunity to milk this some as far as content goes. Not your misery or your anxiety as a fan, but as far as just coverage and attention and capturing a moment in history, we were hoping that this would drag out a little bit. But it turns out that Cal McNair has wanted the same guy all along or whoever is in Cal McNair's ear has wanted the same guy all along. But we now turn our attention fully, I should say, because we've had our attention on this all along, but we turn our attention fully to the head coach search. We know the Texans have talked to Marvin Lewis, Jim Caldwell, Matt Eberflus, Joe Brady. <laughs> we know that the search firm that they're not really using a recommended Brian Schottenheimer from the Seattle Seahawks. What are the chances and how funny would it be if Cal got back Corn Ferry's recommendation of Brian Schottenheimer and was just like, ah, hell, I'll just do this myself. I'm good. I'm good on this. I so badly want for that to be exactly what happened here. Because I think that would be hilarious. My guy, Big Sarge, made a decent point on Twitter, and I really hadn't thought of it this way until he pointed it out or put it like this. But if this is what it was going to be, man, the Texans might as well have kept Brian Gain. Brian Gain could not have been worse than what it's been since they got rid of him. They could have kept Bill O'Brien for this. Now, that's not to say that they should have kept Bill O'Brien or Brian Gain. That's not to say that they should have kept either one of those guys. But to go back and get Nick Casario, who was supposed to work with Bill O'Brien, but couldn't, and so Bill O'Brien had to double up on the jobs and he wasn't any good at it, it just does not feel like the fresh start that J.J. Watt talked about after Bill O'Brien was fired. It does not feel like the change that fans were hoping for or the change that they thought might come when Cal McNair pulled the plug after week four. 